Hi friend, it's Jessica. Hope you're well. This episode is all about betrayal, what it is, why it's so hard to move on from it, and what it looks like to actually take the steps to move forward in your life, and why betrayal can really open up opportunities for you to grow and for others around you to grow as well. So if you've been holding on to something for months or even years, this is the episode for you, and I really hope that you can really take away something that helps you to release those things that are holding you back and to use this opportunity to transform and take your life in a new direction. So please enjoy this episode with Dr. Debbie Silber. Hello and welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Dr. Debbie Silver. Debbie is a psychologist who specializes in helping people heal from post-betrayal syndrome, a collection of symptoms common to being betrayed. She's the founder of the PBT, or Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thanks so much. Looking forward to our conversation. So let's start off by defining what post-betrayal syndrome is and looks like. Sure. Well, I, I did a PhD, uh, PhD study on betrayal. Of course, you don't study something like betrayal unless you need to. And after two really, uh, really challenging betrayals from my family and then later from my husband, I mean, I was just desperate to understand how the mind works, why we do these things, and how I could heal. So it led me to this uh, PhD program, led me to the study, and there were three groundbreaking discoveries. One was that there is this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And you know what's so interesting is we've been taught time heals all wounds. And it's really not true. You know, at this point, we've had close to 8,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent they're still struggling. And there's a question that reads, is there anything else you'd like to share? And of course, besides the, the challenges and the physical, mental, emotional issues that they're struggling with, people write things like, my betrayal happened 30 years ago. I still feel you know, the hate. My betrayal happened 40 years ago. I still can't trust. So this just really stays with us until and unless we face it and feel it and heal it. Mm, yeah. So the biggest finding is that if we don't do anything about it, it just stays with us and the, the pain stays with us. Absolutely. And even more than pain, you know, we see it in really every area of life, like in relationships. If you don't heal it, well, one of two choices, you either put that big wall up where it's like, oh, no one's getting near my heart again. And, we, you know, we keep out the, the people who hurt us, but we keep out the, the good ones too. And, and this could be not necessarily just betrayal of, let's say, a partner, which you know, is typically, that's what we think of, but it's of a family member, a friend, a coworker. I mean, it's so vast. Or we just experience repeat betrayals because we haven't learned that profound lesson that betrayal was there to teach and we just keep repeating it. We see it in health where someone goes to the most well-meaning doctors, coaches, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease, and at the root of it is an unhealed betrayal. And we see it at work too where someone, they want to be a team player, but they're afraid. You know, the person they trusted the most proved untrustworthy. So they're really uncomfortable 
trusting a boss or a coworker, or they want to ask for that raise or promotion, but they don't have the confidence. Their confidence was shattered in the betrayal, so they don't have the confidence to ask, and they're bitter and resentful instead, and that's the energy they bring to work you know, with them every day. So it, it shows up everywhere. What is that profound lesson that we're meant to learn from a betrayal? You know, it's so different for everybody. It, it could be that you really never had strong boundaries and your boundaries were getting crossed or violated and you didn't uh, create strong boundaries. Very often, it's that you never believed you were lovable, worthy, deserving. And it takes, you know, that mother of all betrayals to say, you know what, that's it. I'm never tolerating this or that or the other thing. And beautiful lesson learned. You know, and, and that was absolutely what happened in my case where, you know, I had, I did, I had that, re- those repeat betrayals, like I said, first from my family and, and then from my husband. And that was the lesson for me. You know, I, I, I was never even on my own to-do list. It was all about everybody else and boundaries would constantly get crossed. And, you know, here I had a business and four kids and four dogs and, I'm six dogs, sorry. And it was just all about everybody else. And finally, I realized, no, that's it. I'm, I have to put my needs, take my needs seriously too. So I, I did. I enrolled in that PhD program, which was huge, a huge challenge for me just to say, I want to do this. But it, it, changed, it changed my life. It changed everything. And, and that for me, that was the lesson that I needed to learn. Yeah. So once we start really looking at looking for that lesson, it can mm-hmm. dramatically change the course of our lives. Oh, sure. Because otherwise we just, you know, everything and everyone just seems so familiar. It's, it's not that it's good. It's that it's what we know. So we keep gravitating towards the same type of relationships or the same types of experiences because it's so familiar. And mm-hmm. it's when we realize this, this isn't serving me. Um, I need to find something that is so unfamiliar because that's where my growth will be. But that doesn't happen right away. At least the, what has to happen to really make that shift is just to say, this is truly about my healing right now. I have no idea what will show up, but I know that I need to take my own needs and my own healing seriously. Mm. When somebody is betrayed or, or has that sense, mm-hmm. you know, they, can, they can decide what it means for them. What do you commonly see with people who are kind of holding on to a grudge or the, the hurt? Yeah, you know, it's, it's so hard because, well, one of the discoveries was that there are these five stages that we will go through. If we're going to truly heal, we will move through these five now proven predictable stages. You don't skip them. You don't, you, you don't switch the order. You go through these five stages in this order. And what I so typically see is, when we're unwilling, we're either unwilling or we're just, we're just not ready to, to move forward, to accept the loss, to just, you know, just realize that we can't undo the betrayal, you know, but we can control how long it affects our lives. We don't move forward. And, and we really need to get to that place where we say, okay, this is truly holding me back. I, no matter how many times I go over it, you know, I can't change it. So at least let me make some sense and meaning out of it and do something great with something really painful. What, what can that look like in terms of, let's just say somebody's partner cheated on them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, 
with I, I see so many people in our community where at first, and of course, it's so understandable, they're devastated, they're heartbroken, they never saw it coming, it's a shock to the body and mind, and we react so, uh, you know, so strongly, there's sadness and rage, and there's anxiety and extreme fatigue and digestive issues and, and, you know, and weight changes. I mean, it's just this, like, every negative emotion and physical feeling you can experience. I mean, you're, you're, you're feeling that. And, and then when you, you know, there's a combination of seeking the right type of support. And this is so important because you could speak to someone who is so well-meaning, but if they are not so skilled in this, it does more harm than good. And there are so many people in my community. I mean, I have certified uh, coaches and practitioners who are certified in these five stages and what it takes to heal because I created it because there really was nothing like this. I mean, people would go, and some therapists are wonderful, but I heard too often where someone who's been betrayed said, oh yeah, the, the therapist said, you know, I just, if I only communicated better or if I only you know, if I wasn't so tired, you know, it's like get, just totally putting the person who's been betrayed as the one who caused it. Now, I'm not saying to, to not look at the complete relationship. There's always something we can learn and gain from it. But when the solution is that the betrayed person just simply has to communicate better, I mean, that is so devastating for that person who's experienced that shock. I mean, not only have they just experienced what I believe one of the most painful of the human experiences, because this was the person you trusted the most. I mean, now they're getting blamed for it. It's, it's awful. So we need the right type of support and, and so many other things. And when we do, I mean, I have seen, I have seen such transformations and it's interesting, even in the study, I assumed, you know, you're not supposed to assume anything as a researcher, but I was, <laughs> I was new at this. And I, I assumed that the, the people who were the hardest hit would grow the least because they had the most to overcome. And that had nothing in the world to do with it. Nothing at all. Mm -hmm. It was the ones who dove in and they just faced it and they dealt with it head on. They blew the doors off of the others. And, um, and there were three groups in the study who actually didn't heal. Uh, and I could talk about that, but it was mm -hmm. the ones really who did the work, who were willing to just move forward without any expectation of what will show up. They, they transformed and um, it, it was incredible to see, you know, they'd, they'd come to me or come, now come into this com our community with an unhealed betrayal and they leave. I mean, they would leave with a whole new body and new perspective and new awareness and new insight. And when you awaken to that level and heal to that level, I mean, anything's up for grabs. You can do anything. Mm. Let's hear some kind of real life examples of that change happening. Sure. I mean, even just my own, my own example where I was so it broken, of course, whenever broken, bent, you know what I mean? But so devastated. And of course, you know, one of the things with betrayal is we take it so personally. And one of the biggest things that, that I teach is even though it happened to you, it's not about you. But we do, we take it so personally and we, we, we we're reeling from the pain and the shock and the overwhelm. But, and that was the case with me. But the lesson was that I need to take my own needs seriously without any indication 
of, of what would happen. So I just boldly, you know, enrolled in this PhD program and, and that was it. And then it was time for the study and I studied betrayal and then we made these discoveries. And then, I mean, that was just way too good to keep to myself. So I, uh, created a program and which walked people through the five stages and it took off and then I couldn't leverage me. So I started certifying coaches and practitioners and they started teaching their clients so they would have deeper transformations. And then we opened up the PBT Institute, which was this live physical space in New York. We've since gone completely online. Uh, and then a new book and a new TEDx and it just, it just kept going. And because of how different I had become, my husband also, I mean, absolutely transformed. So not long ago, we uh, married each other again as two totally different people, new rings, new vows, new dress, and our four kids is their bridal party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you were kind of in that moment of, of feeling the betrayal and it, it's kind of sinking in, what happened around that time that made you realize that it's about your needs and and getting what you you need met yeah and, and it was a different experience with my my family you, you know rebuilding is always a choice and i learned that and and it's whether we rebuild ourselves and move on and that's what i did with my family or you rebuild yourself and then if the situation lends itself if you want to if you're willing you could rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you and that was my other experience i guess the most profound thing is realizing that there's got to be a reason why something like this happened and even if we don't understand it if if we don't do something powerful with it then we just feel like we got so sucker punched you know and with no good outcome. So I really look at it like, at the very least, if we're so hurt and we're so devastated, what can we do with this so it doesn't just sit on us like a bad game of hot potato, you know, gets thrown on us and that's where it stays. I feel like we have an obligation to say, okay, this stinks. I'm completely aware of this, but what can I do with this? And, and you know, people in my community we kind of, it's a very different community because it's really not about uh, commiserating and staying stuck. Of course, we want to learn from it. But then it's, what can we do with this? And I'm no different from anybody. You know, it's just, I chose to, to heal and I made a vow to myself, if I can heal, I'm going to help as many people as I can. But there are so many people in the community who just look at it saying, if they have the ability to heal from something that they never saw coming from the person closest to them, it shows such an immense amount of strength. What could they do with that strength in another area of life? And it just opens the doors to so many things they never would have considered had that not happened. Yeah, it's a huge perspective shift to Mm -hmm. say, you know, because I went through this, I'm stronger and I'm more capable of doing something with it. Oh, absolutely. And, and it also, it really puts other things in perspective because, you know, things that, that, you know, maybe in the past seemed like a big deal could mm-hmm. seem really trivial because now you're looking at it like, really, I'm going to let that get me down. Look at what, look what I've just 
gone through. Look what I've healed from. Mm. And this is something I see all the time too. And I'd love to share it because I have a feeling this may really help the listeners. Mm. What's so common, and it's it, it, everybody experiences this and they don't understand it and it feels really weird if you don't. So it's so common that as you're healing, and it actually shows up at a particular stage in the healing, but you're healing, you're so different, you see things so clearly and so differently, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your friends do. And it's really common to kind of outgrow your friends a little bit. You know, maybe if they indulged in gossip or it was real low, you know, low energy uh, kind of group, you may not have the tolerance for that anymore. You may not resonate with that anymore. And if we don't understand it, we just look and say, what the heck happened to me? Like, why? Those are my friends for, you know, 20 years. Why is it that I just don't, I don't fit in? And there's such a shift and there's such growth and you're actually losing your old identity, all the things that no longer serve and creating a new one. And, and often I see that, that it causes a tremendous shift in friendships. Yeah, yeah, you, you've changed. So mm -hmm. now you're starting to find people who are more like the new you. Yeah, absolutely. And when we don't understand it, it's like we're trying to keep ourselves back because those are the people we were so comfortable with. And we just mm -hmm. felt so, you know, it was, they were so familiar. And now all of a sudden, it's like it just, it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah. How has your relationship with yourself changed? Oh, it's totally different. It's, it's, so, it's so interesting because there's just a strength and a, and a confidence that I, I never had in the past. And I'm so much more aware of what, who I am and what I'm willing to tolerate and what I'm not in, you know, willing to tolerate. And one thing that was so interesting, I learned that I'm also a highly sensitive empath. And I had no idea. I didn't even know what an empath was earlier on. And I always was wondering like, why is it that everybody's okay watching violence on TV and I'm not? You know, why, why was it when I was a little kid, you know, someone was getting, you know, beaten up on the playground and I was the one running for the lunch aid? You know, why am I the one escorting the bug outside instead of killing it? And I, I never really understood it. Why am I crying whenever I see a, a family reuniting at the airport? Like, I could not understand it. But this really showed me also who I am. And, and how sensitive I am yeah. and how to protect that sensitivity and honor that sensitivity. It's sometimes it takes something like this to show us who we are at our core. And mm. that, it's funny that we didn't know that before, but you know, it's through living life that we find that out. And it's honoring who we are. You know, it's, yeah. I just never even knew and I never even honored it. And, uh, and there were so many things like that where I would always try to just, you know, make it okay for everybody else and oversee, like, like if it wasn't, I don't know, I, I would just try to tell myself, oh, I'll just get over it and just forget about it and whatever. And, and I guess this whole experience, one of the other things that came from it was that, no, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't work for me, if it doesn't make sense, if it's not in my highest and best interest, it's a no period. <laughs> and I don't think I would have had the confidence to just stand my ground like that in, in, you know, before even something as simple as like a movie, you know, if everybody wants to go see a movie and I know it's going to be violent and terrible and it doesn't feel good, well then God, I don't enjoy yourselves. I don't want to go. 
and I'm good with that now or in the past I never was yeah I mean that's that's a huge accomplishment you're putting yourself first and you're putting what you want and need first and that's what you know and I'll tell you that's how change happens because there, remember I, I mentioned that there were three groups who did not heal and one of the groups was where um, you know they were protecting the betrayer at their own expense and they um, they tried to they just tried to overlook it. They tried to just make it okay without any consequences for the betrayer. And I'll tell you, the only thing I saw in that group was a, a, a further deterioration of the relationship and really challenging health issues. Your body just can't handle that, you know, just can't mm-hmm. handle that. And it's, you know, it may, they thought it would make it easier or whether out of fear, you know, not wanting to break up a family or a financial fear or whatever. They tried to overlook it, but you just can't. And what I've seen is when it comes to betrayal, you know, it, it can't be repaired, but it can be rebuilt. And rebuilding takes a tremendous amount of work, but it takes a full and complete death and destruction of what was, death and destruction of that old relationship, death and destruction of the old you without any knowledge, insight, or anything of what's going to show up. But if you're bold enough to do that, uh, it's really incredible what you'll see. At the very least, you'll see a warrior out of you emerge. And then, you know, the other person, if, you know, if it's meant that you're supposed to rebuild together and, and create something entirely new, it will be because it's based on this version of you that showed up because of this, not, not sort of like, you know, when you picture those houses, you know, those houses where you just keep patching stuff up and patching stuff up mm-hmm. at one point, you just need to level the house and rebuild. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it could be magnificent. And when you're willing to do that, you really can build something incredible. How has your relationship with your husband changed? You know, it's funny. We're, we're together since 1984. And I don't even know if you were on the planet in 1984. <laughs> um, so, so it's a long time. And, uh, and it's amazing because there was a, a, a just a block of time where I was, you know, I was so busy with my business and the kids and the dogs and everything. And he was growing his business and his ego just ran away with him, you know. And it was a, a really a really hard time. And and now there's there's such a difference because he's a better version of the guy I met all those years ago. I mean, now I look back and I'm like, why did I even, without even knowing what, anything, uh, why was I tolerating such, you know, such a, a lack of what's really important to me? And now, I mean, there's so, it's so much fun. We're having fun. We're, we're on the same page. We have the same interests. You know, I remember one of my kids d- during that time, she said, you know, you guys don't have anything in common. And, and I kind of fluffed it off, but it was really true. And now, you know, my kids see how much we have in common. And that's probably one of the biggest, one of the biggest things. I mean, we're still so incredibly different from one another, but, uh, but we're totally on the same page. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way now. Yeah. Why do you think that initially it was something that you tolerated? You know, it, it's really interesting, and I can answer that in, in so many different ways. And I don't know, I remember, see, what happens with betrayal is you don't trust 
you, of course, the person who betrayed you. And you don't trust yourself because you're like, I'm a bright person. How did I not know? How did I not see? So you venture, well, I can at least trust in something bigger than me. God, the universe, source, energy, whatever. And so that was, my, and it's interesting because the study proved that too. You know, I, I saw that with the study participants and I was no different. So I saw someone who's um, in, in, uh, an intuitive coach and she's since become a dear friend. And I remember going in and this was one of my first appointments. And she just said, oh my gosh, Debbie, how you two plan this. And I was like, planned? Yeah, you needed something so catastrophic to crash and burn. So he can be the husband, father, you know, friend that he signed up to be. And you, you're going to be having this huge following. You're going to be teaching a betrayal because now you're coming from this deep place of knowing you're going to have books. You're going to have an institute. And I was like, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> Every single thing she said happened. It's just, yeah, it's interesting. So when I, for my own personal reason, I look at it as we must have signed up for this. And, and this is what I came here for. And it's almost like before we got here, we said, okay, we're going to, let's play this out because I have a big mission to help people heal from betrayal. And he was probably like, okay, that works. Let's do that. <laughs> you know, not saying that's certainly the case for everybody, but um, when she said that, it gave me a little glimmer of, of possibility that what if, what if that's true? And what if I could do something really powerful with this? If I can, I can. I tried. But if I can, I can help a lot of people. It really goes back to what you said in the beginning, which is making your own meaning out of what happened. Yeah. I mean, for some people, it's, it's nothing more than, and this is huge enough, saying, you know what? I've learned that I'm lovable, worthy, and deserving. And it took the biggest betrayal of my life to teach me that and lesson learned. Now I have compassion for that person and I can almost appreciate them because I never would have learned those lessons had that not happened. I mean, that's how I look at my family. But then, you know, for others, it's, oh, wow, you know what? I, I, I really need to take my own needs seriously. And for others, it's, okay, this stems back to whatever issue I never dealt with or healed from in childhood. And let me, let me take care of that. So, so I could learn to love again, trust again, open my heart again, feel safe again. So mm -hmm. I can, I don't, I don't repeat something, you know, painful that happened 40 years ago. And I don't keep that going my whole life. And when we're not aware, that's exactly what we do. Mm, right. We just carry it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about those five steps to healing of betrayal. We got to step one. What are the next four? Yeah, sure. It's actually five stages. And, and uh, it, was, it was so interesting because I wasn't looking for this at all. And, and uh, when my uh, study chair said, Debbie, I, I believe you discovered a process here in like the geekiest way. I was so excited because I knew, oh, wow, now people will have uh, like a real level of comfort knowing, okay, this is the stage I'm in. And this is what's next. So if I could just hang on and move myself to this stage, uh, it'll, it'll be really helpful and really healing. And that's exactly what happened. So yeah, the, the five stages were discovered. And also this was so interesting because we also learned what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every stage and what it takes to move from one stage to the next. So once we learned that, healing became predictable. So the first stage is like a setup stage. 
And uh, this is what I saw with everybody, me included. If you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental, and really neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does this looks like? look like? It looks like we're really good at thinking and doing and not paying nearly as much attention to feeling and being. But that's where our intuition lies. So we turn the intuition down. And, it, and think about it. If there was a table with only two legs strengthened, easy for the table to topple over. And that's what happens mm-hmm. with us. And then, the, so that's stage one. Stage two is the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. Here's D-Day, Discovery Day, shock. It's the body is now you've ignited the stress response. So you're headed for just about every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. The mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. And the worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. This person's safe. These are the rules. This is how it works. And in a moment, it's totally shattered. And a new one hasn't been formed yet. So here's truly where the bottom bottoms out on you. But think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You would grab hold of whatever you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that stage three, survival instincts emerge. And it's the most practical stage. How will I survive this experience? Where do I live? What do I do? Who can I trust? But here's the thing. This is the stage that I see the most people getting stuck in. Because once they've figured out how to survive, they start convincing themselves that that's as good as it gets. And then they start planting roots in that space. And then they start thinking, you know, well, maybe I deserved it. Maybe this is the best I can hope for. Maybe, maybe. And, um, and then they, you know, they create their story. And then there's, they have all kinds of benefits from that story. You know, they, they get someone mm-hmm. to blame. They get a target for their anger. They justify staying stuck. They don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Do I trust you? Do I trust you? Ah, forget it. I won't trust anybody. So that's a place I see so many people getting stuck in. If you're willing to give up that story and all those small self benefits that you got from it, uh, and this is a tough stage moving from three to four, so many things that we need to do in order to move, but then we move to stage four and stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Your old normal doesn't exist. It's not an option anymore. And here's where, like, if you've ever moved into a new house, condo, office, apartment, you know, you don't have your stuff in there. It's not quite cozy, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this stage, you're turning the stress response down. So you're not breaking down the body as quickly as you were in stage two and three, but you're not rebuilding it just yet. And here's what's interesting. You know, If you were moving to a new house, condo, office, apartment, you wouldn't necessarily bring everything with you. This is the stage where I saw a lot of friendships change because you don't bring your new friends with you. You've outgrown them. If they don't don't feel like a fit with this new version of you that you're becoming, they don't come along. When we're in this stage for a while, this cozy new space, let's say, and we've made it our own and we've settled into it. Then we slowly move into stage five, and this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. So you've turned the stress response down. Your body starts to heal. You, know, you also didn't have the bandwidth 
for eating well and exercising, like you were surviving. That was the last thing on your mind. Now you want to take better care of yourself. You want to nurture yourself. You want to treat yourself better. Your mind is changing. You have a new set of beliefs based on where you've been. And your worldview is different because of your experience. So you're now a much different, stronger, wiser, better uh, person. And the four legs of that table, remember in the beginning, it was only the physical and the mental. Now we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the mental and emotional, on the, the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. And about how long does this take? It really, it, it, it changes based on uh, so many different factors. I would say the biggest change is due to someone's willingness to let go of their story. That could keep you really stuck in a stage for the rest of your life. Or with that willingness, we can move along. But it's definitely, it is definitely a process. I mean, I have seen really quick healing. I've seen, seen delayed healing. What I know for sure what doesn't work is when we rush to healing. We rush to forgiveness. It backfires every time, you know, where we try to move too quickly. We need to process a lot. Uh, but what I, what I would say is with that willingness, when we really make some decisions about how willing are we to let go of that story and all that goes with it, we can really take off. And what does it look like to let go of an old story? Oh, it looks like freedom. It looks like health. It, it's amazing because when we let go of that, what we get instead, we boost our immune system. So we're healthier. We stop the accelerated aging. So we actually look younger. We physically feel so much stronger. We've let go of this burden that we're carrying. There's a sense of freedom. There's a sense of release and relief. There's um, clarity and calm. We just, we feel so much better. And when we move through that fifth stage, we actually achieve a new state. And this was the, the third discovery. You know, I, I had a feeling that healing from betrayal, what, I knew it was very different for me than healing from other life crises, death of a loved one, disease. I'd been through those. And this felt very different for me. So I asked my study participants too, and I said, if you've been through uh, something in addition to betrayal, did it feel different for you? And they said, hands down, it is completely different because let's say with someone you love, when you lose them, you mourn, you grieve, you're sad, but you don't question yourself. You don't question your sanity. You know, betrayal has you questioning everything. So it needed its own term which is called post-betrayal transformation. So when you move through all five stages, uh, you are in a state called post-betrayal transformation. Mm, I see. Let's talk about like trusting yourself again. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. My book uh, is coming out in October. It's called Trust Again. And that's one of the hardest things because trust, you know, I look at trust like a brick wall. You know, it can take decades to build brick by brick by brick. And then in one moment, tw 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years can come tumbling down. And you know what's the only way to rebuild it? Brick by brick by brick. It's so fragile and it's a monster project to rebuild, but it absolutely can be. When you do, you have this strength 
I actually teach a four-step trust rebuilding process and it's in the book. It's delicate and it, and it takes time. And this is why forgiveness, of course, we're, we're always forgiving because it helps us and it benefits us. Mm-hmm. But forgiveness kind of goes along that same trust timeline. You know, just as trust is rebuilt, let's say one brick at a time, right? What it would take to rebuild that brick wall Forgiveness is kind of along, if you look at forgiveness, like, you know, along that same timeline, that's why we can't rush it. Because if we don't trust, we don't feel safe. We don't feel valued. And that's when we're doing ourselves a really big disservice by uh, mm. not honoring our needs and what's in our, what's, what's best for us. What are those steps? I'm curious. Oh, sure. Trusting. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the first one is, you know, when, when, with something like betrayal, we don't even have the most basic foundation of what it feels like to trust in life because our worldview was shattered, you know, all the rules, everything, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like the person we trusted just took a mask off saying, oh, no, no, this is who I've really been t- during this time. So we have to rebuild the most basic sense of foundation. So, so the first step really is questioning. I mean, something I'm talking like, will the sun rise? You know, question it. Will the sun rise? I don't know. I don't even know anything anymore. Will the sun rise? And you question it. And you know, and every morning you take a look, of course, you know, knowing if the clouds are blocking the sun, it's still there, but will the sun rise? Whatever it is for you, something so just foundational so you can Mm -hmm. rebuild that sense of safety again. And then when you have that sense of safety in the most basic of things, you need to rebuild trust in something bigger than you trust your gut trust your higher wisdom trust your intuition because it will really serve you if you do you know you want to start building that does does this feel right yes trust it does this not feel right no trust it and and put yourself to the test there and when you feel you've gained that trust in your intuition it gives you a sense of security and safety and then from that space you can start trusting in yourself again and give yourself little tasks. You know, I'm going to journal this morning and then you do. I'm going to drink that extra glass of water and then you do. I'm going to make that phone call and then you do. And you learn to trust yourself. And you can imagine just even with that renewed sense in the most basic foundational things, trusting in your higher wisdom, your intuition, trusting in yourself, you've, you can feel almost like these invisible bodyguards, you know, a sense of safety and security. And then from that space, you can slowly learn to trust in, in others. And um, will you be careful and cautious? Yes. But it's from that space that, that you can start to trust again. I think it's really interesting that you start off by trusting not yourself or others, but just the things in life that mm-hmm. would help us kind of get grounded and you know, have that sense of security to trust, you know, start trusting people again. That's, that's how shocking betrayal is. You know, it's, it's, it rocks our world to the core. And and that's why people who don't understand it, they they really, I mean, well-meaning, but only if you've experienced something like that, do you get uh, and understand how shocking and how devastating this type of pain is to, to the body and the mind and the heart. Yeah, and it's a, it's a slow, gradual process to rebuild. And like you said, brick by brick. Yeah. 
There's no, no way to rush it. And this is why if the betrayer has no consequences and then someone's experiencing a second betrayal and a third betrayal and they just keep trying to overlook it, I mean, not standing up for themselves or not, whatever the reason is, that's self-betrayal. And, and I don't know mm-hmm. if there's any greater betrayal than that. Yeah, yeah. What exactly do you mean by consequences? You know, it's whatever is so shocking, actually to, to both people. It's got to be where there is a very clear death of the old. And that's really scary to people because they're like, well, wait a second, but I'm afraid. You know, and, and if fear is the reason why there are no consequences, it's really hard to create a new relationship because think about it. People, people push as, as far as we let them. I mean, of course, someone who's awake and aware is going to act from a certain level of integrity. And here's what's, what's interesting too. The betrayer has an incredible opportunity to wake up to their actions when there are consequences as well, right? Because if the betrayed simply lets it go, then the betrayer really doesn't wake up. They're like, oh, okay, you know, slap on the wrist kind of thing. But if that betrayer, like, you know, for example, in my own case with my husband, I got him out of the house and, and he was actually the one who told my kids. And, and listen, it's not right for everybody, but I think there's something about when you have four teenagers looking at you, you know, with such disgust saying, you did what? to our mom. Like if anything is going to have you fall from grace and wake up, it's Mm -hmm. that. But in that shock comes that wake up call. Like what the heck am I doing? You know, and that's the shock that creates the new foundation, you know, Mm -hmm. for him. And then, and then it was the shock of my discovery and that created a new foundation for me. But like I said, without any guarantee, of what's going to show up. I have so many people in our community where let's say they start by saying, Oh, I just want us to be good again. And, and they know if they're going to be working within our community, I I can't promise that because very often what happens is, you know, someone will heal. And from that new space where they're, they're healed physically, mentally, and emotionally, Mm -hmm. uh, two things can happen. Their partner, let's just say it's a, you know, husband and wife, um, and that's not always the case, but let's just say, then then that partner can say, oh my gosh, I, I better rise up to meet the strength of this woman, right? Or what happens too is she can say, you know, I have no interest in him anymore. It feels too good resonating at this level. And this is where I'm staying. And they've outgrown each other. So we never know. But mm-hmm. But that person has to be willing to take that journey. And that's why they need support. And that's exactly what we do. Yeah, yeah. It's really about growing for yourself without Mm -hmm. making assumptions or expectations for other people. Absolutely. Because you just, you just never know. And maybe it was that that relationship ran its course, like with my with my family, I'm the most family oriented person, but those relationships ran its course, there was no there was no changing on their end. There was no taking responsibility or, or acknowledging anything. And it was only blame and everything else. You, you don't have anything to work with there. So then you just pick up your pieces, you heal yourself, and you move on and you learn from it. And you learn, 
you know, again, even though it happened to you, it's not about you. But it's an amazing, those are your greatest teachers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Debbie, for sharing your whole journey with betrayal and all the things that you've researched. I think this is definitely something that is very different from other kinds of trauma. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's why it needed its own name, post-betrayal syndrome and post-betrayal transformation. Thank you so much. Thank you.